Hi, welcome to Billboard Happiness. I'm Laura Scholes Bedeker, a copywriter and brand consultant living in Oakland, California, with my husband and our 13 year old daughter, and two dogs and four chickens. And I'm Dr. Jerome Burt. I'm a clinical psychologist with a practice in Nashville, Tennessee. Laura and I have been best friends since high school, and now we're doing a podcast. Yeah. Billboard Happiness takes the best advice on happiness and health from the smartest people and turns it into short, easy-to-communicate nuggets of wisdom that your kid will actually listen to. Well, let's get to it. Hey, Jerome. Hey, girl. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, you too. And I'm seeing you so clearly today. You have a new computer yes. and you look so beautiful there in oh, your living you room. You're so good. You're <laughs> so good. Tell me, Laura, how are you sleeping? <laughs> how am I sleeping? Yeah. Horribly. What? Why do you say? How did, why well, did you? I just that I just decided at the gym about an hour and a half ago that that was going to be my new way of greeting people instead of saying how are you doing I'm just going to ask them how you're sleeping because that really cuts to the chase you know it sure it's does like, especially yeah. for a woman over 50 yeah yeah that's gonna you're gonna be at the at the Trader Joe's for a lot longer if you start <laughs> asking women that question you're never gonna get out of there well I asked one dude and he said I'm sleeping like a baby and I was like, that's why you look so great. And he's like, no, no, I got this new toothbrush uh, from Walgreens called a Doppler toothbrush. And it's just like, I was like, wow, it just opened up a whole conversation. <laughs> Man, I remember what it's like to be 20 something. And he's like, it's fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for him. He recognizes uh, his his bounty of being in his 20s. Well, it's also a function of good sleep. You know, mm. I don't think he would have been as wonderfully engaging if he weren't sleeping well. And um, so how, I, what are we going to do about you getting better sleep? I'm doing everything I can. And, you know, in my world, sleeping like a baby is also true because that means I'm getting up every two hours like a baby does. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a combination of, really super busy at work, Nora starting high school, sports, lots of things going on. And so my mind is kind of racy. So I, I did talk to my naturopath about it. I live in California. You need to eat four kiwis and drink some cherry tart. I got tart the cherry, cherry tart cherry. I got that because of Huberman and Matthew um, Walker, that's not working. Um, so she recommended my naturopath recommended a, a supplement cortisol manager, like to kind of lower the stress, um, cortisol release, because it is, I do feel like I'm waking up with my mind racing. It isn't just this and that, like, so we'll Are see. Are you journaling I before you go to bed? No, I just read before I go to bed. I guess I could journal. I've never yeah. done that. Yeah, if you journal before you go to bed, uh, journal about all the things that, you know, you are that to-do list or something. Well, I shouldn't be giving clinical advice right now because I'm not sure if this empirically validated 
what you journal about because I always say journal about what you're grateful for. But if you get a few hours before bed, I think Ed Matthew Walker said on the Huberman interview that uh, all the things that are on your mind, you journal about it a, a, like an hour or so before bed. And that's ah. shown the in, to improve sleep by 50%. Whoa. The, the Was that in that sleep. interview? I don't yeah, remember yeah. that. And the other part, your poor husband, I, you know, I heard it's like, if he knew this, he would be trying to make sure that you got some sleep because it says the research shows that for every hour of sleep a woman gets, it increases her chances of wanting to hook it up 14%. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what 14 <laughs> times 70 is. <laughs> okay. But he'll be trying to increase it to 11. <laughs> Well, well, that I love the the note about journaling about what's going on an hour or two before bed. That makes a lot of sense, and I'll try that. I mean, I you should see I'm taking my Apigen. That's uh-huh. also from Huberman. Uh-huh. He takes that before sleep. It even though on the bottle it says for prostate health, mm. I don't care. I'm <laughs> taking it. I'm doing everything. So mm. trying to. Um, triangulate but nothing's working yet but i'll do the journaling i'll try that i'll report back well we're gonna circle back to this sleeping well in just a minute but go ahead and talk about this wonderful book yes oh well i am well both of us are super excited to share this book it actually just came out i just i i just swallowed it whole in a couple of days it's called Dopamine Nation. The author is Anna Lemke, MD. Um, the, the subtitle is Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence. So Dr. Lemke is, um, she's the medical director of the Stanford Addiction Medicine Clinic. So she's a, she's a psychiatrist, but also a researcher too. And so she's obviously given the title of her institute. She's, she's an addiction specialist. And the, the book is about addiction for sure, but her, her thesis is that in our current society, we're kind of addicted to everything. Like we're, we live in such a time of plenty that, um, that these, this dopamine um, system really pl- plays a part in every part of our lives, not just when it comes to addictions the tradi- of the traditional client kind, like we think about of drugs or alcohol or smoking. Um, so the book, I will say before Jerome weighs in, because I know he's got a lot to say when I opened it up, you know, some books like this, you just feel like either a, this could have been an article or B, I should have listened to a podcast about this, which I have and did. Um, and then it just is too heavy and scientific and like, yeah, it's great knowing all that, but just tell me what to do. And this book was so engaging, immediately accessible, um, like just the right level and depth of science and understanding of the why, but her own story she works in and then stories of, of the patients she's worked for all anonymized, of course. I don't know. I just thought it was on top of the information. I thought it was a beautifully 
executed book and beautifully written book and just highly readable. So big thumbs up. What did you yes, think, Jerome? I felt the same thing. And that's interesting. You say you just sucked it up because Andrew, you know, Huberman, who both of us learned about the book, uh, said the same thing. He just, you know, in one reading, you know, uh, and I just thought it was really great. Now, I am not uh, Mr. Fast Reader, and um, and it took me more than just one reading, <laughs> but yeah. I barely, I and I highly recommend it, and I was even at the gym talking to some dude this morning uh, and, and and then giving him, you know, making him screenshot pictures of, <laughs> you know, of the the talks that she did with Rich Roll mm. and um, and uh, and with Andrew, because this guy didn't know about either of those talks. And and he's an AA person. And I found last week that my AA people really enjoyed what they've learned from her hmm. she, I, I think it's readable and you know uh and uh and and it's because she has got her act together I think yeah. that she has a strong um you know her alignment with her thoughts and her actions and her feelings and I know we're going to get to telling the truth and I think that that she was telling her truth Ooh. and in every regard and yes I just like the way she interviews the way she writes she's just a strong person she just seems like she's so together even in her being honest about being a neurotic parent yeah or I mean I'm not giving any way, anything away, really. But like throughout the book, she recounts her own story of being addicted to romance slash erotica novels at one point in her life. Right. And she goes back to that again and again. And like it was just like it was almost more shocking than if she had admitted to being <laughs> addicted to alcohol or drugs. Right. Like it was just it just doesn't seem at all like her. And um and I just I thought that was very brave to talk so extensively about it. And it does seem like her in that I can see how people, you know, I think that that I, I mean, it's interesting to me how many people are taken aback by the fact that she was, you know, that disclosive um, because so many people, I think, have uh, their own uh, kink yeah uh that you know some are much more socially acceptable and don't have that you know there's not as much shame but there are a lot of us that have things that take us away from being connected yeah and for sure it was taking her away yeah mm -hmm. and so um yeah but um yeah i really dig her i dig the book and i dig what she's saying yeah well, the, the, the general idea of the book is, again, dopamine nation. It's all about how, like I said, we're all we've been, we're in this land of plenty. So we've just we're always got this, this our dopamine being released, which so dopamine is is what gets released. Like Jerome said, when he started this call, he's all high dopamine because he's had a good conversation or 
sex or a cup of coffee or a drink, like dopamine gets released. But then when, if you're, if you have too, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jerome, because I'm getting into the science part, which I'm not, not the expert in. So, but if you do too much of it, it starts blunting it and you don't, Mm. it doesn't work as well. So you need more and then you just need more and more and more. And then um, it also is caused, there's like a pain aspect. She called it's like a teeter totter. And she has these mm. great little illustrations in the book of pleasure and pain being on either mm. side of the teeter totter. Um, and can you talk a little bit about that whole theory of why that word dopamine is the anticipation anticipatory uh, neurotransmitter it's the it's the seeking you know it's just like you're waiting and and you get your biggest dopamine release greatest dopamine release uh when your horse is about to win and then once your horse wins uh the levels start returning and you know there's you know they go back down and right. so and now if if it's just a horse race and you're not addicted to gambling you know they won't go back down so low and be so painful that you've got to do this again you know right and that's what she's talking about the, the pleasure plane pleasure we, pain teeter-totter we, exactly we need homeostasis if you get too high you got to go low bro uh all the way down to the flow to the flow to the flow if you get too high you know it's like icarus don't mm-hmm. fly too close to the sun and don't um and 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 don't don't fly too close to the ocean mm-hmm. and and then you'll have balance in your life right well, and she, I mean, she talks about, you know, she gives some examples of what, what raises your dopamine, what percent. So she's saying mm-hmm. it, chocolate increases dopamine about 50% above mm-hmm. the baseline. Um, sex is a hundred percent. Nicotine or a cigarette is 150 and then um, amphetamines is a thousand percent. So to your example, like you have a little chocolate, you're done. You kind of go back to baseline, not that big of a deal. But when you're on the amphetamines and you're way up, when you come mm-hmm. off, you're going to go way down. Um, and, and it, you know, that's why it's, I think that we're going to all wake up and realize how great it is to live organically and do the harder thing. Because one thing about, as she would say, taking the the walking up the hill instead of taking the gondola up is that you get to enjoy the process along the way and the the effects the the changes near chemically that occur once you get you know if you've done a three mile hour hike you still get the benefits as you go down you know mm, right uh, you're you're still getting some semblance of a high as you right. go down. And so, you know, doing the harder thing is, is, is a beautiful thing. Um, and uh, I used to, I had a friend that you saw always ask that question, if it feels good, should you do it? And it's like, yeah, as long as it's, you know, as long as it's hard to get the, that feelings, a hard thing for you to get. 
Well, and I think that, I mean, that's as long as you have to work to get that high. To get that high. Right. 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 And sometimes it it can be a little, it can be painful to get that high. Like, like you're saying, like, like we did the mountain in Park City a few weeks ago and you did it twice. Of course I didn't, (laughs) I only did it once, but it was, yeah, it, it hurts. Yes, to go up that yes, hill. And I, yes. and I, and that is kind of the, the reason why it's called dopamine nation is that right. it, again, getting outside of the drugs, alcohol idea of addiction is when we're so kind of pursuing pleasure all the time and making things easy for ourselves all the time right. that can actually lead to pain. So, That's right. That's it, right. or, or lack of joy at the very least. Right. Ease leads to disease and low hanging fruit like are usually you're when you're reaching for low hanging fruit, you are already in pain. Usually you're trying to avoid being bored. You're trying boredom is painful Mm -hmm. and you're trying to avoid being bored. And I think she it's novel to hear someone say that, you know, so you reach for the uh, uh, you know, the, you, your, your phone and you can watch kitty videos on YouTube. And as soon as, you know, unconsciously, you know, that when you stop, you're going to get back to that painful boredom feeling. Yeah. And so you keep watching more kitty videos and you, you know, and then it's, a, then you're two hours in and still you're going to have to go through that, that painful boredom feeling. Yeah. And that's what we're, we're, we're trying to avoid, you know, telling people, raising your kids to go, you know, to, 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 to go the easy route. I mean, I know that we're hardwired to do the easy thing. I mean, you, we're hardwired to reach for the low hanging fruit. You don't go climbing up. You got to conserve your energy. You don't go climbing a tree for a banana. If there's one just hanging there and we're not hardwired to be patient, you know, either. Um, but that's when you're living in the forest. I mean, now we're living in a world where everything can be dropped in your lap and, and you will be manipulated into thinking that they've done you a favor. You didn't have Mm -hmm. to get off your butt, you know, and, and do anything. And it's just, you know, she takes issue with it and she's very concerned about the, how the world's unfolding because, we go for the ease. Well, and it's your, um, you no longer have a full-size refrigerator because <laughs> that's right. That's you right. want, when your refrigerator broke, you wanted to get a dorm size refrigerator. So it would force you to go to the store every day or every other Absolutely. day and get that's fresh right. food. And that's I mean, it's an example of this, like it's not easy to go to the store every day, but it kind of gets you out of your ease and eliminates your disease. I am not a fan of the the meal kit uh, ordeal, um, but I'm certainly a bigger fan of meal kit than frozen uh, TV dinners. I think when they were making things easy, for like my mom, they were like, you know, here are these dinners. Like you can just put them in the oven. Now right. It took 20 minutes to put them in the oven. With those little it, pot pies. Remember right. the. Oh, God. Five for 99 cents. <laughs> I you remember. Could get five, you know, or four for a dollar. 
and uh and think my mom would like put a little butter on them and you know and make them make them doctor good. them up yeah yeah she doctor but you know but the the meal kits i think that i like you know what they do near chemically you know it's just like we're anticipating you know this new meal that we're gonna try and it's like oh I wonder what this will be like. And I mean, it just sucks you in, but it's a good suck. And yeah. you, and you do it, have to make it and you like it. You have to participate in making it happen. And, and then you get to like savor it and share it because they're for more than one. And, there and you it's, go. E- and they're easy for kids to help with it. So, so I'm, I'm pushing back, not pushing back, but jumping on the pro meal kit because Jerome knows we use one called sun basket. They do not sponsor our podcast, but I have to give a shout out to sun basket and, um, and, for I, making- and I, I want to give them a thumbs up too, because and, and I guess, and blame it on Anna, because it made me rethink, you know, how these things mm. are still working for people in a good way though. It's yeah. like old fashioned, old fashioned high. This is an old fashioned <laughs> high. Get your meal kit from Sunkist or what is it? Sunbasket. <laughs> from Sunbasket and get high the old fashioned way. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of getting high, you know, this book is also really great for people who do have more traditional, you know, addictions, substance and alcohol. Um, and one thing, and I'll just mention this, we don't really need to talk about it, but I thought it was interesting just quantitatively is that she's she's learned in all of her work with people is that if you can get if she can get her patients to stop using the substance for four weeks then they have a really good chance of they're going to start feeling better and they're going to have a really good chance of feeling better enough that they see what was what it was doing to them and obviously anybody who's listening who has a history of substance abuse or family members, we know it's not that easy and that isn't some kind of magic cure, but I think it's um, definitely something if you're talking about a kid who has gotten into habit of smoking pot, maybe, maybe even during the pandemic or something that doesn't have maybe the, the heaviness of a, of a long-term addiction. I think that four week mark is a really interesting one and kind of gives, hopefully gives people hope that there's something that they can do as a parent, if they can get their kid to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's like, just don't do it for, don't smoke for uh, a month. I want you to try something. I want you to go for a month and so I had pushback on this already. It's like, oh, okay, I'll do it for you. And it's just like, well, now I, I thought that that would be a harder sale. So <laughs> I really don't smoke that much. I'm like, well, um, I thought you got high a lot. I mean, you know, I use gummies. I mean, but like, you know, edibles, but I don't smoke. I'm like, wait, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's what's so dangerous even gummies and edibles have been so integrated into the culture lately yeah that people don't think of that as getting high right well yeah because it's considered microdosing usually right. 
Um, but you're right, but it's still consumption. It's right. still doing something to your brain and your systems. That's right. That's Wait. right. So did your person person or patient actually quit for you or? Well, the person said, okay, well, I'll try. I'll try that. I'll do that. I'll do that for you. And, mm -hmm. but I, I had to include the gummy edible, edible thing because oh. edible thing, because the, they were separating that from, um, notice I'm being gender neutral here. I'm not like <laughs> sounding like, you know, I love like how somebody that's not ready to come out yet, they always say, and they were like, um, and they, <laughs> this, and it's like, anyway, so I, um, uh, yeah, and, and so, I, but that was about to slip through the cracks there, like gummies and edibles are not, you know, really weed. And this is why she's writing this book, because we're in so much trouble of like, we're found there's so many ways to make the pain go away. Yeah, that seem innocuous. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. So one of the sections that I really wanted to discuss today, because I thought it was, it, I did not see it coming and it's toward the end of the book and the chapter is called radical honesty. And, and it was about the importance of telling the truth when it comes to um, getting out of an addiction or basically just living life in a good way. And she talks about the fact that we're, we're wired to lie. She says that children begin lying as early as age two and the smarter the kid, the more likely they are to lie and the better they are at it. And she also send, says that lying tends to decrease between the ages of three and 14, possibly because children become more aware of how lying hurts people. Um, and of course I have a 14 year old, so <laughs> that kind of perked my ears up like, oh boy, here we go. We're getting ready to get on the um, lying back on the lying train. <laughs> um, and, and, but it was so interesting because she talked about how, in addition to this four week fast, she calls it of a substance. She also recommends to her patients that in the, in that same month to really try hard not to lie about anything. And by that, she doesn't mean just about substance abuse or whatever you're trying to give up, but anything like why you were late for work or why you had that second piece of cake or why you hid that second piece of cake that you ate. And she said, it's because it is really hard to tell the truth. So it's again, going toward that pain actually increases your dopamine. So the kind of the more honest you can be, even though it, it's hard and it hurts, the more your dopamine will be released and you'll feel better. And so it kind of, it's a virtuous circle. Like you, the harder it is to tell the truth, the better it feels. And then it just, mm. it keeps building on itself. And mm. I just thought it also strengthens the brain. Like it keeps going and you get stronger and stronger and um, you just develop better habits and your brain gets stronger for it. And I just thought that was super interesting. I, I love, you know, just truth telling and her saying that because it resonates with my favorite, absolute favorite um, 
uh, life skill, which is radical acceptance. Mm, and, Tara. And well, well, actually, it's not Tara. It's um, uh, before she uh, did that, it was a, a borderline researcher uh, back in the day. Oh, gosh, what's her name? What's her name? Oh, gosh, I can't think of it right now. But um, radical acceptance is one of the tools that she, you know, put out about 20 years ago. Oh, wow. And um, for borderlines and just, you know, you don't fall apart if the house has been painted purple and you paid them to paint it beige and you get home and you've got a purple house, you don't fall apart. You just like, all right, this is the wrong color. What do we need to do? You know, mm. all right, this girl says, I don't see a future. Uh, all right, all right. You grab your heart and you're like, dang, man, that's tough. And then you move on. Mm. You know, uh, the car flipped. You're safe. Um, let's go for pancakes. And <laughs> <laughs> well, well, tell me how you relate radical acceptance because to you're radical not honesty. Lying. You're not you're, you're not, not lying, lying to you're, yourself. You're not lying to anytime you are not accepting reality, then then you are resisting God. And God just I'm I'm you know one could argue that God is reality, you know, and if you try to push against God, you're not going to win that. It's not mm. going to look good in the long run. And so when she says, tell the truth, it's like being honest with yourself, being honest with what you see, and you can feel whole. And, you know, and yeah, you're going to get some bit of a rush out of feeling whole. And you're not going to eat up bandwidth trying to remember uh, which lie which, you told to who, which lie you told who. And two, you just feel more alive anytime, you know, there's more activity in your prefrontal cortex. You you feel more alive, especially if it, there's a sinkness in the aliveness. You know, if you're if your story is aligned with what um, with reality, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're going to feel whole and alive. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, even beyond the addiction part, I just think it's such a great, like you say, a lesson for life. Like this is, and again, with kids, like it's, I think it's helpful to acknowledge to yourself and to them, like we're wired to lie, but here's how telling the truth is better for you. And here's kind of what your life can be like if you're telling the truth. Again, you're not going to say that to a kid, but um, it's good, I think, for parents to understand and to be aware of this thing that kids are wired. <laughs> we're all wired to lie. I think that's a, a nice grounding, like, okay, where are we, what are we going to do with that? Where are we going to go from that? And how do we kind of instill not just the moral um, thing of like, you're not supposed to lie. Like, it's really like telling the truth is good for your soul. It's good for you. It may not feel like it in the moment, but looking long-term that it's, it's good for you, not just because it's the right thing to do. And, and I, I think we're, it's a little harsh to say that we're wired to lie. I think a sweeter kind of way of saying it is we are wired to survive. 
and you know um you know are there any jews in there no there are no jews hiding i mean you you, you know it's mm. like you're you're helping people uh you're 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 you're, you're um hiding people from the nazis and i mean it's just, you know that's a lie but you know um it's a survival as well right and you know and you know to be aware of it you be aware of i even if you have kids it's like why wouldn't they just why would you lie to me it's like i'm lying to you because it's not adaptive to like not be liked and if i tell <laughs> you you know what you don't want to hear you might not like me and yeah. you know and um and i just want you to like me i don't want you to like you know to be upset with me and yeah. that all of that's adaptive as well so right. you know it's just like um but the, i i do know that what she's talking about too though like i i was so excited about one of her interviews that i sent it to one of my people and because it was something that they told me a couple of years ago that um telling the truth was so important by the way y'all she is really big into the aa culture and mm, so yeah this person um was um you know an a an aa person and mm -hmm. um and as and it's been wonderful for you know him and um so he told me when he was trying to get a new job that it wasn't going well because he wasn't interviewing well and he wasn't interviewing well because um he couldn't lie he couldn't fudge. <laughs> it's like i i you know trying to say you worked on this project or that project and really you know all you did was you know staple some papers together <laughs> you know <laughs> i know i know but like really sticking to it i was like wow now i see the extent to which because you know you don't want to trigger any old pathways that yeah. the next thing you know it's just like well it's just a little lie you know that's right yeah slippery right, right. slope yeah slippery, slippery slope. slope well anyway well i love this book obviously you did too and and i think we've mentioned several interviews that she's had yeah just look for her name her last name is spelled l-e-m-b-k-e anna limke md and um, I thought she did an especially great interview with Terry Gross on Fresh Air, very accessible, you know, much more kind of uh, the general public mm -hmm. message versus the Huberman more down mm -hmm. into the science, but equally mm -hmm. great. Um, but I, we highly recommend it. And again, it's, it's a super um, easy, lovely book to read. So we're big fans, obviously. And, and I um, say, if you can get to go on a hike with this woman, like, I think <laughs> I want to know her. I want to be friends with her. I just love <laughs> how, like, she is just so frank and wonderful and warm. I just, she just really seems like she's got her stuff together. And, and she's not afraid of, like, how, you know, telling the truth, too, is about appreciating that humility is a good thing you know if you are lame you know own it you know, yeah she, i rarely hear people and that's what she thinks about the empathy you know that the the therapeutic culture there's there's a, there's a 
too much empathy. Yes. You know, I, and and not letting anybody, you know, you let people off the hook and you like say, you know, you hold their hand versus like you really ought to feel yeah, I, I guess it does make sense that you feel like crap about yourself right now. It makes sense given what just happened. I mean, wouldn't you wouldn't you be concerned if you didn't feel like bad about, you know, hooking it up with somebody's you know, it's always about hooking up, you know, but like, I mean, you know, and so like, um, yeah, I really, I dig this woman. I think she's got her act together. Well, I agree. And I'm happy to share it and uh, excited to see what's next for her and to share a new book with you on our next podcast. Yes. Oh, yes. we got to come up with a billboard, Jerome. Oh, gosh, I have had so many things running through my head, you know, lying doesn't always mean you're dying. I don't know. That's a good one. Well, I love your earlier, your earlier one, which I've heard you say, but fits perfectly for this book was the ease disease one. Ease leads to disease. AIDS leads to disease. I yeah. think I think that's yeah. a good one. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And that is just so true. It's just so true. Oh, obviously, I think it's good, too. I'm about to go into talking about it again. <laughs> You're right. You know, that one I thought of. That's, woo! It wouldn't, y'all, if I've, I've said it before, there wouldn't be a practice of psychology if there was not so much, there's just so much ease, you know. Mm, that's right. There, If we had to share that deer, if if you like, if you had to catch a fish in the morning and kill a deer at night to to live and you know because it's hunting season in the south y'all and right now you can still fish in the morning and then get your good hunt on it's deer season now and you can get that on in the evening you just got a full day right there right bobby right bobby jack so anyway bobby jack <laughs> yeah you would be out of a job especially in the south <laughs> oh my gosh and then too if there's no refrigerator you can't freeze that deer you got to go share it with everybody so it's a party right right yeah. well, you're walking right. miles and miles <laughs> to take it to cousin jed over in the next town <laughs> anyway well i always love discussing these books with you i think those that both of those billboards are great and um look forward to seeing you next time i and to hearing that you are sleeping much more uh soundly like a baby yes. i swear your skin looks like you are doing sleeping well that's yeah. a zoom filter <laughs> <laughs> i'll zoom report back filter. on my sleep all right all right love you Jerome. love you peace love you too babe bye, bye.